believe this is a word that I want to give you this morning. It's about offenses. We know that everybody in this world has been offended. I, I, I just believe this. When you get offended, you don't, you got to learn not to build a fence. And between you and relationships, because when you walk in a fence, you build a fence between you and God. And that's the last person I want to build a fence against. Amen. And so this morning, I'm just going to go ahead and kick off in, in Luke chapter 17, verse 1. And it's in, the New King, it's in the New King James Version. It says, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to them, woe to him through whom they come. No matter where life takes you, you will always have the opportunity to be offended. Amen? Always. Okay, let me do a test. How many of you have been offended in your... At least once in your life. How many of you got offended this week? How many of you got offended this morning because we didn't play your song? Or we didn't, or, or it wasn't Pastor Zach and it's this guy, Pastor Bubba. Or we didn't shake your hand or, or Chuck didn't do the, the, the communion right. Or, you know, what's, what's up here? What's all this about? You see, I believe this. Let me just show you an example in 2 Samuel. And uh, it's, it's when David's ambassadors had a reason to be offended. I believe this, is that I believe that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the, Old Test, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Amen? And so what happens is, right here in this portion of Scripture, 2 Samuel chapter 10, and what happens is, so sometime after this, King Nahash of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanan uh, Hanan uh, became king. David said, I'm going to show loyalty to Hanan just as his father Nahash has always, uh, was always loyal to me. So David sent ambassadors, that means representatives, to express sympathy to Hanan about his father's death. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, uh, the Ammonite commanders said, to Hannon, their master, do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? No. David has sent them to spy out the city so that he can come and conquer it. So Hannon sees David's, David's ambassadors and shaved, half, shaved off half of each of the man's beards, cut off their robes at their buttocks, that means you know where, and sent them back to David in shame. Now, can you say, now, a beard in, in that culture represented masculinity. They went there with gifts to bring them to honor a death of a king that David was friends with and his son was fixing to take over. And all of a sudden, he allowed rumors or in the fact to take place of what had happened. And what happened is we see what they do. Is they begin to bring shame. Listen, I believe this. You can even be directed by God to go somewhere to do something, be his representative. And I believe this, that you can even get offended or get embarrassed or things can happen to you no matter what. Or you know what I'm talking about. Can y'all hear me? Okay, we're good. And so what happens is shame and outrage, embarrassment will come. You will be insulted, but at the same time, you can learn to deal with it. See, if your life, in your life, you will be de defined by two things. The way you take offenses or your willingness to forgive. See, which will you choose? You know that in New Zealand, 41% of all the birds don't fly. 
They don't fly. Because there's no predators on the island, so they don't have to fly. You see, for many of us, is when there's opposition. You know what? If you have any opposition, let me, let me just say, you learn to lose, you begin to lose your ability to fly. Or begin, see, in other words, another way to say it, no opposition, no overcoming. How many of you face opposition? What is opposition? It means something coming against you. Something coming in your face. Somebody saying something that you don't like. You don't even like the way their breath smells. But what happens is I believe this. God never sends an ambassador or representative representing his kingdom with an empty envelope. He always has something to say. This is why in Proverbs it says it is to a man's benefit to overlook an offense. If, if you choose to hold on to the, to the offense, you will miss what God is trying to do in the moment. So the first thing, every offense is an opportunity to overcome opposition. What do you mean, Pastor Brother? Every offense, every offense is an opportunity to grow. I don't go through it. I have to learn to grow through it. Big difference. Well, I'm just getting your You ever have people that just walk around griping about how people treat them, how people talk to them, and they never do anything about it? It's like trying to peel out, but you're in neutral. You're not going anywhere and you're not doing anything. And so what happens is if you walk with Jesus long enough, you will get wounded, but, but, but you don't have to stay wounded. Amen? Look at verse 5. I love this portion. It's like, and it totally unlocks this portion of Scripture. First, uh, 2 Samuel 10, the verse 5, on this, these verses I read. When David heard what happened, now see, these guys were coming back, and David gets word, hey man, your servants, they shaved off half their beard. That'd be like me going and shaving off half of this. I look ridiculous. Okay? And then if I came to you this morning and they cut my if I just wore my shirt, that would be bad. <laughs> and every turn around, I'd moon you. You know what I mean? That's what was happening. And what happens is, what happened when David heard what happened, he sent messengers to tell the men, stay in Jericho until your beards grow out and then come back. For, for they felt deep shame because of their appearance. Let me just tell you, it's interesting to know that Jericho means this. It means place of fragrance or sweet fragrance. In other words, what David is really saying, guys, take your shame, take your embarrassment, take your offenses, and stay in that sweet spot until you restore your confidence. See, I've learned this. When things happen to me and I go through things, i got to find my sweet spot. My sweet spot is being with Jesus. My sweet spot is being at that place. It could be a chair. It could be walking and you're talking to God. It could be on your car in the morning when you're going to work and you face some things and your husband had a little, a little confrontation. Or you came to church this morning and you were driving and you started fussing and then you started fighting and you saw Pastor Zach standing out there with his sunglasses. You don't know if he saw you fighting and you, you, you'll go, oh! You gotta find your sweet spot. Say it, me. Say sweet spot. Find the sweet spot with Jesus. And when your fences are resolved, then you can learn to move on in Christ. 
See, when your rear end is exposed, you can choose offense or you can hide in the sweet spot with Jesus. There are two things that God says is his. Listen to me. The tithe belongs to God. And then another one that he says, only two things belong to God in vengeance. The Bible says vengeance is mine. I will repay. You see, when you're offended, you've got to refuse to take revenge. That's the, second, that's the second point. When you're offended, refuse to take revenge. Romans says it like this, 12, 19. It's in the NLT. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For scriptures say, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says Lord. When you feel wrong, you need, when you feel the need to take matters in your own hands. But hear me closely, church. Your feelings of revenge can, can be overcome by realizing that God will make all things right. He will visit his wrath on those who deserve it. Come on. How many of you have gone to pray for somebody? I remember getting offended one time. I went and prayed. said, God, kill them. I was being spiritual. I was praying. But God was trying to say, no, you need to die. Because can I tell you something? It's not about me anyway. It's not about you. It's about what God's trying to do in you, through you, and with you. But if you walk around with a little chip on your shoulder, you'll never accomplish anything. And you'll never go to the place that God wants you to. Romans 12 says, it's like God saying, don't worry. I got you back. I got it. Vengeance is the Lord's department, not yours. Go back to the sweet spot where everything can grow in a healthy manner, in a healthy way. You know, sometimes i got to find that sweet spot when I go through things during the day, when I face things, when I face trials and tribulations, and somebody things just aren't going my way, or somebody said something, or someone offended me, and I've gotten cussed out before trying to help someone. Because a pastor, sometimes it's hard to tell the sheep from the attack sheep. Until you put your hand out to help someone, and when they, ha- they have canine fangs, you know which one they are. <laughs> Let God, your God, fight your battles. Just the way it is. I, was, I never had a big brother. I always wanted one. Because I remember my brother, the things happening, and I'd go and take, take up for him. I remember one of my sons, a kid, beat him up or tried to beat him up and hit him. And I went over there, and everything in me, I wanted to just let no one see and pimp slap the little kid. <laughs> but listen to me. I went talk to that kid. I mean, everything inside of me, I wanted to... And you have pretty teeth. Be, you might need some teeth work when I'm done. I'm just being real with you. There's nothing like when your child gets hurt. Come on. How do you think God feels when his children get wounded, get offended? And I remember looking at him and said, son, let me tell you something. I don't know what you're doing. You're way bigger than my boy. And I just began to try to talk to him. The guy doesn't have a daddy. 
then have an example. Now that kid's in our church and his mom was in our church in Jennings. But I remember the moment and it respects me because I stood up. It was hard. You know, because the day after I corrected him, he actually shot the glass out of my garage went door. And so, let me ask a question. How many of you have had things happen to you that you didn't feel like you deserved? Because see, listen to me. There are two kinds of things that can happen in our lives. Things that we do ourselves, that's our fault. That's on us. Come on, we own it. But there are things that we don't know about and they come to us. The most important thing is our reaction. How we respond and how we react is so important. Amen? Listen to me. You know, Luke says it like this. Verse, uh, we read verse 1, but let me just read verse 2 and 4. And it says, It would be better for him if a millstone was hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea. Now, a millstone is a big, heavy, solid stone. weighs a ton. It's 2,000 pounds, okay, with a hole in the middle of it. And he's saying, like, it's like that. You put that around your neck and you're thrown into the sea that you should offend one of these little ones. You think God takes vengeance serious? Take heed yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day returns to you, say, I repent, you shall forgive him. It's clear that God takes vengeance seriously. It's, it's also extremely clear that God takes forgiveness seriously. Vengeance is a mighty act of God. God's vengeance is better than yours. See, when you see someone... In God's vengeance, you begin to start having compassion. Come on. Then you say, Lord, not that. Lord, back off. Lord, can you back off? See, if your brother sins against you, seven times forgive him. Seventy. See, in the Old Testament, when you would go to a priest and ask him, how many times should I forgive somebody? And a priest's response would be set three times. Three But Jesus came back, he doubled it, added one, and multiplied it. Think about it. God takes forgiveness seriously. The third point is, unforgiveness happens when you don't take God's forgiveness seriously. Every offense is disguised in unforgiveness. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness. Bitterness drives us to seek vengeance into our own hands, which leads us to self-destruction. Unforgiveness is like a tumor. Come on. It's like a tumor. Unforgiveness. Let me tell you. You know what? You might not see it, but everybody else sees it. And it's not going to go away. And if you take a shower, it's not going to fall off. Unforgiveness is coming and literally humbling yourself. When's the last time you were willing to humble yourself? I started thinking about it this morning. When's the last time, God, and I've been, I've been talking to God about this. God, I want to walk in brokenness. I want to learn to walk. How, when, I, when you see Crowley, what do you see? 
God, your, your heart's broken. There's families. There were people last night. We didn't hear the arguments. We didn't hear some little kid had to sit down and mom and dad told him, you know what, me and mom, me and daddy aren't going to be married anymore. I'm leaving. You think that breaks the heart of God? Do we weep over the city? Do we weep over people's lives? Do we weep over our own things that we deal with and our own sins and say, God, God, just help me. I'm in the right church. Because, see, when you use the word sin, that's like, we don't even like to use that word nowadays. And sometimes you don't hear that word in the pulpit because it sounds like an old-fashioned word. It's like, oh, you're talking about sin? I need a rocking chair, and it's old Grandpa, Pastor Bubba. See, what we do is we call it, oh, they made a mistake, or he had a boo-boo. Because we don't want to face up to what, what it really is. And see, every offense, see, un- time won't heal it. Pastor, how many times should I forgive someone? Seven times 70. Oh, 490 times. 491, they're out. No. It's the heart. If you can tally up all the times God has forgiven us, there wouldn't be enough stars in the heaven. Amen? Let me ask you a question. How many of you are glad you've been forgiven for some things you've done? How many of you are glad you can say, man, I'm glad that's covered in the blood that God threw in the sea for forgetfulness, not to remind me anymore. The devil does a good job to remind you. Your shame has a good, has a, listen, you fight three things in your life. You fight the devil, the world, and yourself. And think about it. The devil don't need to show up most of the time. You do a good job by yourself, and the world can lure you. Amen. See, the good news is that Jesus makes the broken whole. He takes the overlooked, the undervalued, the left out, the written off, the damaged and destroyed. And then he, he does only what he can do. God loves to make the broken beautiful. Just like I was talking about the Chinese ceramic. When God had Jeremiah go to the potter's house and he began to observe the potter. And he was spinning the wheel and there was a flaw. Instead of discarding the pottery, God began to speak to Jeremiah's spirit. And he said, that's my people. And the potter began to reshape that and redo, work that clay. But he knew that there was a flaw. Jeremiah knew there was a flaw. Listen to me. If you're looking for the perfect church, you showed up, so we're not perfect no more. As soon as I show up, it ain't perfect no more. But I've learned this. God sees everything about us. Sees everything. I used to do street preaching. I used to have a guy named Angelo Gonzalez. He's a Puerto Rican. He's about six foot five. Tallest Puerto Rican I've ever seen in my life. And he used to go around. We'd preach at bus stops and college campuses. He'd go, you, and he was, this was his line, you can't hide from God. I said, you. He didn't care who you were. He just, you, you. You can't hide from God. And he'd do it a different way. You. Can hide from God. I mean, all right, that's all. That was his whole message. You can't hide from God, and the reality is, none of us can. 
God sees me. Listen to me. You just see parts of me. You don't see me at my house. You don't see me with my wife. You don't see me with my children. You just see this side of me. Are you hearing me? On the other side, there's flaws that I have. There are things that I deal with. Come on. I have children that haven't been perfect, but I still love them. I, we brought them into the world, and sometimes we want to go, God, we want to take them out. <laughs> See, God, real quick, I want to give you a few practical ways to walk through forgiveness. Is that all right? Do it real quick. Four stages of forgiveness. First things, how many of you know we're all going to get hurt? <laughs> Come on. We're all going to get hurt. And so you need to identify, identify that hurt. Experience and express your feelings. My wife's good about that. She used to bring, she's brought things out of me that I'm one of those kind of guys that like, I would have fun, I'll be the life of the party, but don't get deep with me. Come on. But she's going to get deep. She didn't have to be the life of the party, she just wants to be real. Claire's saying, yeah, she knows. And see, here's the thing. Label them as specifically as you can. That wounded me. That hurt me. That was disappointing. Think about, you know, think about you gotta you gotta give, you gotta begin to allow those things. Sometimes we have to lament. That means we gotta just say, man. You ever have those times where you go, man, I'm just so sick of all going through this. I'm so I'm done. You know, just like you're talking, have you ever talked to yourself? Okay, we're praying for the rest of you, but anyway. (laughs) You see, who did this to you? When did they do it? Where did it happen? Begin to identify those wounds and those hurts and allow God. And that's what life groups are all about. See, that's not just a confession. It's where you begin to do life together. I had someone, their first life group meeting, there was a young guy that he he ended up taking his life. And it's a guy that just came out of a Catholic experience and his life grew up that way all of his life. And I'm not here to down that or anything like that, but that's what he grew up in. And he just started coming to church because of the flood and his first life group meeting. And what they did is they cooked a big old great meal for the life group. What they did is they took that, that food and brought it to that family that just lost their son. And bless them with the meal. And they ordered pizza. They began to do life together. And I saw the lady yesterday lost her son. Just hugging on me. She has a little, little boy. His, uh, what's her grandson she's raising now? His name's Nathan. He reminds me of my Nathan. He just gets out of the car bigger than life. Hey, Pastor Bubba. Come there and give me a big old hug. Hey, Pastor Bubba. What you doing, Pastor Bubba? I'm eating a hamburger. What you doing? I'm going to eat me one too. He's doing life. That guy, I was walking, you know, I'll talk to anybody, okay? I'm just one of those kind of people. I was walking out of my truck, meeting Luke. We're going to get an inner tube for his car, truck. It's not his car, his bike. He's 14. No, not yet. He's going, yes, God, yes, Lord. Anyway, and uh, this guy, he's walking, and I'm, I'm walking with him. We're just talking, walking into Walmart. 
We, we talked all the way in the parking lot into Walmart. And then he, he told me, he said, and I, I told him, I said, well, I'm a pastor at our Savior's church. He goes, wow. And he began to tell me the guy's name that invited him. And he said, yeah, I was invited. I almost went to us. Well, you need to come. He said, I think I may do that. Can I just tell you something? It's just doing life with each other. The second thing is, hey, if you have been hurt, you hate. It's not wrong to hate. In fact, we're supposed to hate what God hates. Amen? Hate the wrong that has been done to you, not the person. Make this decision to be sure your hate is directed toward a permissible target. What does that mean? Unconfessed, persistent hatred often leads to depression. Suppress things. See what happens when you suppress things, when you live isolated, when you don't share those things, you become an island. And guess what? God's trying to minister to you. But let me just tell you something. The greatest gift that God gives anybody while they're here on this earth are the people that he puts in your life. Sometimes those are the greatest gifts. They just are. Are y'all with me? Listen, refusing to forgive provides a feeling of power, but this feeling is deceptive. Is is it's really a cover-up? Of your own sense of hurt and vulnerability. In other words, refuse to be the victim. Cancel the debt. Move on with your life. Allow God to be the justice maker. Revenge feels good for a time, but ultimately it never works out. Never works. The pain you can give can never cancel the pain that you received. Get out of the way. And let God take care of us. And the last thing is you got to learn to heal. Forgiveness is both an event and a process. Just because you forget, forgive someone doesn't mean you forget. Hello? In fact, when you do, there may be a process that you have to go through and walk through. Even though you've confessed it, you've shared it, you must keep, you must keep opening your heart. You hurt heart to God, and you'll experience healing over time. You just will. God, I, I hurt. God, this is hard. There's times I've cried in God's presence, and just because I've seen things, or people in my family, or things that happen, or people that I'm praying for. You know, when I was when I when I got found out I had cancer, I have an aunt that she's 88 years old. Her name's Aunt Nancy, my favorite aunt. She's about this tall. But she's sweet, and she loves the Lord. And she goes, baby. She, she, she starts crying every time I get on the phone. I'm just so old. I just break, it breaks my heart. I go, Nancy, and Nancy, I'm fine. I end up praying for her. She goes, I bought, I bought a candle, and I lit it, and I'm praying for you. I said, well, light your prayers of the Lord. Let me just say this. One day you'll find yourself praying for your offender. Soon you'll realize you're free. 
Forgiveness is the road to freedom. I don't know if you ever saw that movie called Black Hawk Down. But there's a scene in Black Hawk Down and they're going to, through the city and they're in a bad, bad firefight. And they pull up to one of these guys. He just got shot. And the guy in the Humvee goes, come on, get in. Drive the truck, boy. He says, sir, but I've been shot. And he goes, we've all been shot. Get in the truck and drive. We've all been shot with offenses. Come on. They can cripple you and you can get it, but you got to get in the truck and drive. You got to get on with life. Come on. Got to find your sweet spot. Offense cut. John Bevere says this. Offense cuts you off from God. You sep- we separate ourselves from the pipeline. I've never seen anything block the blessings from heaven except offense. Acts says it like this, verse 22. They strengthened the spirits of disciples and exhorted them to preserve, persevere in faith, saying... It is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Listen to me. We never know when we're going to get a phone call. We never know when we're going to get bad news. We never know when we're going to have a bad report. We never know. We never know. Are you hearing me? It can happen suddenly. And that's the way it usually happens. It can come, you can be sitting down and you find out, you're just going through your, through a, your phone and you find out someone's having, your, your mate's having an affair just by just looking at stuff and go, what? You never know. You never know your child is walking through things. You just never know. And you might find out news that they're, they're going to tell you something that just breaks your heart. You never know. But one thing I've learned is that when I've walked through things like that, I've got to go find my sweet spot. I've got to go back in the presence of Jesus. And I've got to get in the truck and I've got to learn to drive. And I drive right towards his driveway. Amen? And I pull in and I park and I say, God, this hurts. I don't like it. I don't want to walk through it. How many of you ever felt that way? Give it to somebody else, but not me. John 16, says this, and let me just bring this to a close. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. Listen to me. The Christian race is the only race in the world that begins at the finish line. Jesus already paid the price. I began to think in the story earlier when I was saying when they shaved half their beard and they were exposed by Jesus. He was exposed. They plucked his beard. He was embarrassed. For you. For me. He took on my shame. He took on my guilt. The Christian race is the only race in the world that begins at the finish line. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Are you hearing me? The battle's already won. Jesus has already overcome. 
So listen to me. We don't quit. We don't give up. We get in the truck and we drive. Because the struggle's real. Look at me. The struggle's real, but so are the blessings of God.